We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, look at that. My mic works this time on the first try. Look at that. You love to see it. <laughs> Brandon says that he's laughing right now. All of a sudden, now his audio's not working. So who knows? <sighs> just good times. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Yeah, your audio just completely went out. No, it didn't. No, now you're back. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All uh, right. no, no, it actually was out. So welcome into Check Transies. Danny Brandon awesome. Brandon Sprig. Welcome to Technology Doesn't like us uh no but all no, serious <laughs> welcome to jack ramsey's uh weekly live show sunday evening uh getting ready obviously for boston miami getting ready to tip off but we are going to talk a ton about what happened and came out of the nba combine news notes rumors and such uh as, as weird as it is uh the blazers having the number seven pick they're in a spot that allows for a lot of different things to happen particularly because the blazers need a lot of things to happen uh before we get into it like rate review subscribe help us grow the show uh we are available wherever you get podcasts and if you're watching live or you're watching the playback please click the subscribe button it's free it's easy helps us grow um brandon there has been a lot that has gone on since tuesday's draft lottery as weird as that sounds no transaction has taken place but it's smokescreen season baby mm-hmm. a lot of chatter <laughs> a lot of chatter so for those that don't know the combine is not just a time for people to come watch the players this is uh outside of nba summer league really the only time that everybody comes together uh all of the agents all of the uh executive general manager type personnel uh and really the scouts and everybody else comes comes along with it and so in those instances you get a lot of talk you get a lot of discussion and uh my phone was pretty nuts all week long brandon could attest to this because i kept texting him and letting him know (laughs) (laughs) i would be making a sandwich and danny goes is your head on tight and i'd be like (laughs) what just spread my mustard out here and this man's asking my head's on tight <laughs> it's uh it's definitely interesting there's 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 news and notes of teams wanting to move up teams wanting to move back yeah. uh dyson daniels going from back in the lottery to maybe a top five pick um nba trainers crapping on keegan murray calling him trey lyles oh yeah no yeah that's interesting did you, read, did you read Mir and Fader's piece, though? Oh, Keegan? Fantastic. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was yeah, really no, good. I, I, have, I have a hard and fast rule. If Mirren wrote it, read it. 
Yes, I have the same rule. <laughs> yeah, I have it's, the same it's, rule. It's fantastic. If you guys haven't already, go go read it. It's on the Ringer. Uh, Mirren is the best narrative storyteller writer out there. Um, I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, she's the one who wrote uh, Giannis's uh, Giannis's book, and it's mm-hmm. it's and it's incredible. Um, but it's there's so many things going on around the Blazers right now, Brandon. When we've kind of talked about it, Eric's spilled the beans, sir. We're gonna get into it. We will get into a ton. Uh, at least what, what what I can exactly. Um, but Brandon, from the stuff that I've told you, like what what or, or the things that we've kind of discussed, what are the things that kind of like stand out to you just kind of early on? Uh, you know, what stands out to me is I have somehow changed my feelings on the situation. Um, uh, we, we, we went a week, maybe less than a week, because the, com- the lottery was Tuesday, and then we had the draft combine immediately following. And I'll tell you, we talked about the smoke stuff outside of it. I've seen a million trade ideas on Twitter from everybody. This mm-hmm. is why this deal would work. This is the best deal they could get. And I love when everybody plays general manager. I genuinely mm-hmm. enjoy this time. I'm kind of in on one. I have a hard time, hard time thinking Portland's going to end up with very nice things. And some of those very nice things are things we will discuss. Yes. It won't be for lack of trying. I think that's definitely needs to be said. It won't be from Joe and Dame and Chance all trying to play a, a key factor in this. I just know Portland's history. I'm not used to them having very nice things. So for Things that, don't work out that well for them. No, we talk about things that could end up well, and then it doesn't happen for them. If the very nice things are not a possibility in terms of it realistically happening, Mm -hmm. Danny, I've really put myself in the spot of, I don't want them to trade out of this pit, this draft. I I want them to either keep that pick or see if they can move up Mm -hmm. because the reports are Houston and Sacramento. Again, reports um, are looking to potentially trade down given depending on the slot they would bounce to and the players that they're looking at. Um, I had an Orlando guy on right after the draft lottery, and he maintains that he thinks they go Jabari won, but then when you and I talked right before we went, and he, you're saying you're hearing that could be Chet at, at number one, so we don't know where Orlando's going to go, and maybe that's the big domino. But as we move closer and closer, I'm accepting that Portland's not going to get nice things, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of all in on this draft, and I disagree with a lot of the pundits here. I'll go on an island and tell you, I think there's real talent, and I think there's going to be some guys in this draft that absolutely pop, that nobody talked about, and everybody poo-pooed, and ends up became, becoming a key member of a good team. It's going to be really interesting to see who kind of um, goes nuts. Um, because uh, uh, Jake, just, I was hoping Daniel's buddy might be dropping with his good combine. If you mean dropping, mean rising up the draft, then, then yes. Um, like, you, you, who is going to be um, – you know, a couple of years ago, you had Cam Johnson, who the Blazers thought they were le- – legitimately, that was their number one target going into that draft. They thought he would be there at 24. He goes 11. Yeah, Phoenix jumped. And I remember the reaction was, whoa, this is a reach. Yeah. That was and, the reaction. And Nasir Little was – unabashedly a lottery prospect for basically everyone on the board. But then things changed. And obviously Nas falls down. The Blazers were, were before Nas was available at the next pick for them. They were looking at taking Dylan Windler. And then Nasir drops one more again. Who's going to be that guy who rises a ton right now for, for what it sounds like. Uh, Dyson Daniels is, is a guy who is a massive riser. Um, Lamar Miller the early declaration kid out of Canada. He measured at six, eight and a half in, uh, without shoes, which basically six, 10 in shoes. 
uh, incredible measurements. Again, so basically a 6'10 guy who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Um, he was a guy that definitely went up the boards um, from probably a maybe a late, late, late first, early second to back end of the lottery. Yeah. So you're, you're seeing some guys that are that are doing some things that are that guys are rising and some guys are falling and and you had a, you had a lot of guys at the very top who didn't compete who didn't test they just showed up for interviews those are your Keegan Murray's your Jabari's your Paolo's um, Chet those guys they they just sat down and did interviews mm-hmm. it's gonna be very interesting to see come draft night what that looks like and you said you you had the guy on from Orlando who was very convinced of of the Magic taking Jabari first let's start with kind of like the draft order stuff and then we'll kind of move into uh, the trade and, and trade season and kind of how that goes. When you had the – who was it with the chat on for Orlando? I can't remember. Uh, he's a longtime TV guy in Orlando. He's covered the Magic. I mean, it's basically the equivalent of a, an Orlando Sanchez. Okay. Uh, what was what was his uh, feeling for the Magic? Because John Hammond, for those that don't know, is the guy who drafted Giannis yep. and has a profile of wanting to take athletic, long, rangy freaks. Mm-hmm. Why is he why, – why was he – kind of leaning more towards Jabari as, as opposed to Chet? Well, he thinks that Chet, even though you mentioned that about, about John, and I don't think you're wrong, I think Orlando's in a spot where they feel like they're young assets. If you can go get that right next young asset, could maybe pop a lot quicker than people think. And if you're just going by sheer potential, maybe isn't the right word, but like gifted, talented, re- most ready right now, it seems to be... Not 100%, but it seems to be pretty highly thought of that it's Jabari. And so he went with the guy that actually makes a lot of sense. There was a report that Mobamba with that pick, or with a pick of similar nature, Chet could be that too, that uh, 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 Mobamba could be looked to move. But he basically just said Jabari because he thinks he's the most gifted, ready-to-go guy, a 40% three-point shooter who stands six foot ten and is just going to be turning 19 as the season starts. Like, There's a lot of value in having something like that. And so that's why he leaned heavily. I think he said 77%. He would say it's Jabari at one. So uh, he would actually join uh, Henry Abbott uh, as another guy who thinks that Orlando's going with Jabari number one. The folks that I talked to over the week said that they think a lot of that might be some smoke screening, that they're leaning towards Chet. And this, I love this season. I, I I love I love like the espionage feel of it, trying to feel like what's <laughs> real and what's not. Uh, yes. Who's angling this way? Who's baiting this way? Um, when you talk about what's kind of out there and, and, and what teams are looking to do, Oklahoma City is. I don't want to say that I don't want to say they've made it well known, but it, it seems very strong that they they want Chet. They. Sam Presti wants to swing for the biggest swing that he can, and that's Chet. I, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. Uh, he's, I, I don't think he's boom or bust. I think he might be the biggest boom. I don't think he'll be the biggest bust. I think Chet, just as a player, will like he, he has skills that can get him on the floor. He's seven foot two, and he's a transition three monster. Like, yeah. He, at worst, he will be better than most probably backup bigs in the NBA, just by the fact that he can protect the rim and knock down threes. Like. Those are very viable skills. Those translate to the NBA. I, I don't know about his creation or um, anything else beyond that, but I, I, I'm pretty confident that he has a very high floor. But on the boom side, if he does get a little bit bigger, if he does get a little bit smarter, if he does um, create a little bit more off the bounce or create him a little bit more uh, uh, as, a, as a playmaker, then 
definitely there could be something there. Um, with that said, OKC is another team. So essentially picks two, three, and four have all signaled that they're willing to move back. Now, is that a, you're going to have to blow me out of the water trade? Like you got to give up a whole war chest to move up one, two, three, four spots? Or is it, you can kind of figure something out there that, that makes sense. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't know. So you, so you buy. So I will say this: if if you can get the treasure hall, I just have a hard time thinking Oklahoma City's moving on that unless you're somehow giving them like two or three first round draft picks, which is something they already have enough of. But man, oh man, what team is going to be giving that up to love that player that much? If Jabari is there too, would you give up number seven, the Milwaukee pick, strip the protections of the Chicago pick? And mm-hmm. give up your 2025 first. Uh, remind me, Chicago protections are again. You're taking the protections away. So it's, it's, that's it's, right. Okay, it's, okay. it's for next okay. year. So that, right. that's so you can convey your your 2025 pick. Because uh, I put that out there on Twitter the other day, and I think it was like 80-20 people said yes. You see, there's two ways to vote with this. You're voting with the now, and you're voting with the future. And I think those are two separate things. Because I think if you're saying yes to that trade, you are saying you want to compete Next year, you want to make waves so big that this Portland team is suddenly with that roster and whatever they fill it with around, you're going to find a way to be right there in the thick of it. And I do think they'll be better just from having Dame play 
that's a lot to be giving up for Jabari. Could mm-hmm. be could be worth it. Could be a hey, Sprague even questioning that back in the day was really effing stupid. But damn, that's that's a big haul to be asking on Jabari Smith. I don't know if I'm there. I don't know if I'm quite there on those three picks for a Jabari, for a Palo. Could be the way to go, but you also could still end up, again, I don't want to overplay this. I do think there could end up being value at seven. I know that doesn't play to the value chart. I know Pelton just sent it out. I know what the odds in the history says. Mm-hmm. But seven, I just, seven in particular just doesn't look great. Particularly it's like not a great like one. Six years. It's not a great one, but and again, I think I've I've beat this like a dead horse. So sorry for doing it, but I have to maintain but, but, this. But the reality is, it's more likely to come around. It's just There's been a bad talent. run. Yeah. There's just too much talent that picked in the back end of the first or even mm-hmm. the second in this playoff for me to think that this entire class outside of two or three guys is going to be absolute bust. I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second, and I think people are way overvaluing some and maybe not giving giving enough credit or or look to some of the others. What's interesting here is I was going to bring this up. Michael Keefe says, no one's, no one's talking about Paolo right now. No, they're not. Because uh, they want him. Well, I no, no, him. no one has him going one. No, nobody has him going one. Which, but which, man, which is May. kind of crazy because during the NCAA tournament, everybody's like, man, I could see Paolo going one. I could see Paolo going one. Yeah. Like, I, he, I think he did enough. Now it's it's Chet and Jabari. Chet, like, Paolo is Paolo's three for the most part. Like, that's just – but nobody has him going one. Which I, I found to be really interesting because of how that how that has kind of shifted in discussions in without a single thing taking place. That really kind of like, oh, well, that's that's weird. Because there's 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 reasons that stuff shifts sometimes. You know, medicals get out or um, agencies want to shift narratives on things. And that's the other thing, is it gets this is this is this is a nasty kind of year. Or not not, not kind of year, nasty time of year. Like, again, if you're talking about the espionage type of thing, there's some subterfuge. Like, you're trying to knock the value down on other guys behind the scenes. That that happens. So, it's – it's. I just look at this that, that whole thing with Paolo right now, and it's just – it's very, very interesting that none of that has really changed. But Sacramento is, is the team here that moved up in the lottery. They moved to number four. They've sent up a lot of signals saying basically, like, yeah, we'll move back. It came out the day after they got the pick. It was like Sacramento willing to trade down. I was like, holy shit, okay. Here, you want to hear the spicier part of that? I'd love to hear some spice. If that means Paolo, by the way, is at four, what is it taking to get to move up if you're for Sacramento? Well, Sacramento is rumored to have dangled a deer and fox again, even after trading Halliburton. Which is very, very odd. Why would you trade Halliburton? And then just trade Fox, and then what do you have now? Sabonis, like okay, with Barnes and like, what are we doing? Davion Murray, or Mitchell? Davion Murray. I just Davion blended, Mitchell. I yeah. just blended Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell there. That was nice. Yeah. Um, are you suggesting Ivy? I think that's what they are signaling, but I don't. I don't know. That's the thing. It's like, it's. If they're willing to move back, I don't think Ivy is really the guy they truly believe in. So I brought it up. I got a couple mocks in front of me. I brought one up from five days ago. This was uh, Gavoni of ESPN. Does he have Sharp there? He's got Sharp at six. This was five days ago, so I'm sure he's got a more updated one. Sharp Sharp is anywhere between, for for anybody, anywhere between four and seven. Quick highlighted him in the piece. Like Sharp is going to be, it seems like, in that range. Yeah, because Cronin was at his workout. Five days ago, 
Gavoni has Detroit taking Ivy five. He's got Keegan with Sacramento staying at four. But he does say the Kings are going to take long looks at both Jaden Ivy to see if they can create a dynamic backcourt with Fox or Murray to determine was the best player in college basketball the best player to take at four, if they stay at four. So I think what you're hinting at with Fox versus Ivy, it seems like with that language, it's definitely right there within the realm of, of possibly happening. So the interesting thing about this is you're going to play Sabonis, who's really more of a four, yep. alongside Keegan Murray, who's absolutely a four. He's definitely a four. He is nothing more. And it's like, that's the thing is the Kings really can't play this game. But the Kangs are the Kangs, brother. It's true. It's true. The but it's, the it's, it's one of those things where it, best player available versus situation. I That's know. a situation I have to evaluate. Like, am I, one, how sure am I that Keegan's the best player available here versus, like, what's the fit? You know what I mean? What's the criteria for fit? I'll say this. If Keegan fell to Portland at seven, I would say pretty handily that's that's the best. Portland's going to take Keegan Murray if he falls to seven, yeah. assuming they stay and keep that pick. Yeah. You, you never answered the question. You threw it up. Would you trade all that for Jabari at two? Yeah, yeah I wouldn't. And you just say, F it, this has to be the dude that hits, and if it doesn't, this is going to suck. Yeah, it's going to suck. Yeah. I can see it. I understand it. I get it. Then you take whatever you have left, throw it at either Jeremy Grant or John Collins. It, you know, this, and that would be great. That would be a great uh, recovery there. Although, how would the Collins-Smith-Nurk situation move? It's not great. But I guess I'd, ra- it, I'd rather have more front court help. Yeah. Than not. Well, because here's the thing. I'll tell you, if, if, if one, two are locked up, it's Jabari, Chet, whatever the order is. Mm-hmm. The wrench here is going to be Houston. Because Houston could easily look at OKC, want to trade back, or they just do the Luka, Trey Young thing. They draft each other's players with an agreed-upon trade in mind. Or, you know, think uh, Portland when they did this um, with uh, L.A. and uh, uh, I'm Chicago. forgetting this. Chicago for Tyrus okay. and, and Lamarcus. Yes, that's retired. Yes, thank you. So they could work something like that out, but I think if Paolo is of value, and maybe he's not, maybe that's what we're finding out here. I would say I'm this: not, Paolo and Houston would be a disaster. Well, there's a lot of smoke with that though. That Houston is really in love with Paolo, and they want to pair him with Jalen Green. So I don't know. I Nobody value Paolo in defense. Well, I, I know, but like I. <laughs> I value Paolo. I do. And if Portland mm-hmm. could find a way to get in that in that situation, I'd want him to take it. I really would. Um, Michael Keefe says he liked Richmond's point about the mock mock draft group think, and that this is uh, that that happens all the time. You know, no doubt. But from what is what, there's a lot of stuff that we're talking about right now, with the exception of of Gavoni's uh, mock draft here. This is just kind of news and notes and rumors and text conversations and phone calls coming out of the combine. Mm-hmm. Um. It's it's very, very weird when you look at what is happening or what is transpiring for in the public mock drafts versus discussions that are happening behind the scenes. And trying to like juxtapose those two things um, is interesting. And then again, let's just say a Dyson Daniels is, is the guy for the Kings there. Let's say the, the, the Kings take Daniels at four. Mm-hmm. Or they trade back to five. Detroit moves up to four, and they want Ivy, and they take Daniels at five, or something along those lines. What does that do? Does that all of a sudden make a spark point at number six for every team trying to jump up to get Sharp or to get 
Murray or to get whoever it is that they want at that particular position. Because if somebody jumps up to a position at four or five that people thought were at nine or ten, what does that do to that other group of guys behind it? I think that's going to be a really, really interesting dynamic in here in, what are we, about, a month out? Yeah, a month out. In about a month out. How do you feel about Griffin? Uh, he's a guy whose stock has fallen. Oh, I know it's fallen. I'm just curious what you think of him. Six seven. He's got a seven foot reach. He's eighteen. He's gonna be just baby. He'd be a baby. Nineteen year old baby. Uh, you you want to hear something crazy? I would love to hear something crazy. People think he's gonna be a four in the NBA because his foot speed's just not good enough. I've seen some of the read ups on that, and I found it interesting that they're swinging it as he's six seven with a seven foot reach. He's seven foot reach. Like that's how you play the four. You're six seven. I hope that's not true. But I think the other part of this is, again, we're talking about 18, 19-year-old players. Like, yeah. I think that the upside swing on him isn't nearly as high as it was to start this season. Okay. Because it was, oh, you know, he's got to kind of figure some stuff out. He's coming off some injuries. Was it Duke and having to be like the fifth guy on that roster? Or is he just not the guy? I think there's absolutely some value in him because I think he's an absolute guy who can just stick it. I mean, you don't shoot 40-plus percent from three on volume and just not be any kind of shooter. Right. His defensive stuff is a lot more theory than practical at this point in time. Like, he's got tools for sure. Hmm. Um, Can I tell you something? Yeah, go for it. And this might upset some people. I, I actually don't really give a damn about anybody's thoughts on these players' defensive abilities right now. Ooh. One, one, I never find, not that there's never been, I just don't really find real value in assessing defensive ability on the college game versus what you potentially could be in the NBA. I'll give you a prime example of a dude right now on a team that may win the championship, right place, right time, right fit. Andrew Wiggins was known around the NBA as a dreadful, awful defensive player. He has turned that reputation around a bit. Now, again, it helps that you have Draymond Green and you're playing with the Golden State Warriors. I get that. That's not what Portland is. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to tell me we know definitively what 18-year-old A.J. Griffin will be defensively, I don't know if I can buy it. I just think defense is hard enough to assess. They can't even get the stats to make it make sense. So I just I, I find and, – and not that there's not any stats that are helpful, but collectively people will tell you like certain stats can be picked and choose from to make guys sound better. This team already has defensive problems. I'm well aware of that. I think you're well aware of that. People are well aware of that. I, I want them to go for, they, they got to swing. If you're staying at seven, you're not trading it and you're trading up. You have to swing. I, I, I'm willing to take a big swing. And if Griffin's one of those, and I think he's one of a few, six, seven, seven foot reach. I mean, he shoots 38 or more percent from three. I don't know how upset we'll be that he's not the greatest defensive player in the league. I love this time of year. <laughs> I do too. This is what I <laughs> mentally, this is where I'm going, man. I, I love team building stuff. Yeah. I, I love trying to figure out what, how well this is going to work. Um, we'll talk about a little bit of mock here real quick because then, sure. then we'll move to the, the free or not free agency, but what kind of trade stuff. Uh, Andrew Baird says, what about some of this of, of, of Jalen Duran seeing him mocked to the Blazers? I have been surprised at how many people have mocked mocked uh, Jalen Duran to the Blazers. Yep. I. It's very hard for me to see 
the Portland Trailblazers taking the next DeAndre Jordan at number seven. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as like a, a shot at Jalen Duran. DeAndre was a very good basketball player like, when he wasn't like washed. He's been washed for three years. I know. I well, maybe more, but like when he was in the prime of that the Clipper prime team, Clipper run, his yeah. his his role gravity and his ability to control the glass and to be a uh, shot blocking presence, uh, uh, help side defender, just all of that, like being incredibly mobile with this dumb wings. Like he would come yeah. out and hedge on pick and rolls, and it was like Jesus Christ, did they put a pterodactyl on the floor? <laughs> like it was just like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, Jalen has flashed a little bit of playmaking chops, and he chops, and he might actually be bigger than DeAndre was when he came out. And I think he's a little bit taller because it's funny because I saw DeAndre listed at like seven foot for a long time, and he's really six nine. It's like Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace was listed at like six ten or six nine, and he's like six seven. It's mm-hmm. like it's like no, he's not that big, guys. Right. But I saw Duran up close and personal, uh, Memphis and Gonzaga uh, in the NCAA tournament. Duran's huge. Yeah. Like he's. Every he's, bit, he's a built man right yeah, now. He's a he, truck. He, he's a grown ass man. Him, him, yeah. and Kofi coming out of Illinois are, are the two grown ass men coming into the NBA draft this year. There's just, I think Kofi registered two ninety three at like six percent body fat, which is just. And for those that are like, that's oh, not correct body fat, guys. I know, but we're talking about percentages and how they're grading them. Like basically, he's very fit. Whereas like Walker Kessler came in at like fifteen percent, little 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 doughy in the middle. We're not <laughs> we're not talking Dexter Pittman's twenty. I think Dexter Pittman was like twenty two percent body fat when he came right. to the combine. I was like, oh boy, he's not going to make it in the NBA. Um, but uh, I don't know if Jalen's that guy. I got just. But, but and look, look. I, I just this is my point. This is why you say what you just said. Like I love this time of season. Based on what? One year at Memphis, he's yeah. eight effing team. He's the he's youngest 18. guy. In this, he's the youngest guy in this class. He's the youngest he's player in the kid. class. That's what I'm saying is like we we are we're all rushing. We all have read our mocks and we all have watched some of these guys and we've watched our YouTube clips. We are rushing to tell us definitively what every one of these players can. Keegan Murray might be the most NBA ready. If you told me he was a bust, I wouldn't be surprised. Right? I honestly is you wanna go hot takey? I think Keegan Murray has one of the lowest bust potentials in the NBA because he has so many high floor level tools. He might be. He was also a bit of a sieve on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Like there's, and there's no denying that. So it's like what sticks to some doesn't stick to others quite in the same manner. Jalen Dern might not be that dude. He might not be near where Jordan was when he peaked out of A&M. But he's 18, and he's 7 feet, and he's built like 250, 260 already. Mm-hmm. Like to have with, that With room of- to add more weight, as crazy as that is. Right. So, you know, that that's why I am so open-minded. And I know this is not the time of year that people want to hear open-mindedness. I want hot takes and I want them now. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I don't have two players that I love in the draft and I'm off all the others. There is a range of dudes mm-hmm. that I totally have read about and I totally get bust potential. But I just think Portland's at an interesting point in the draft where if you're not trading it for DeAndre Ayton, take some swings. And I can live with that result. It might not be my favorite result, but damn it, you swung. I don't think the Trailblazers will pick at seven. I I don't lean that way either. I, I lean very strongly to they will pick either higher, they will trade it, or they'll pick lower. I think the chances of them trading back, I've seen a bunch of people saying, trade back, trade back, trade back. I, they don't think this is the draft that you trade back. I, yeah, I the, really two, don't. the two pick thing for the trade, like the 13 and whatever, like I yeah. just. 
I, after a certain point, as much as I'm saying, be open-minded, I start to get like, more and more ah, nervous. <laughs> is there a Bam out of bio in this draft? I don't know if I could be convinced into that, but. Listen, if that were, like, everybody can point to a draft every year. It's like, oh, you know, uh, I know. OG and OG yep. went, what, 23rd. I had that 2017 draft as much as, again, I had Donovan Mitchell. Um, if the Blazers moved up, if they stayed at their, their range, I wanted OG and an Obi. Yeah. And yep. OG fell to 23. Yeah. So there's always guys that fall. But if you're talking about, not necessarily consensus, but and here, here's, here's a perfect example. Um, Neil Olshay, when he drafted CJ McCollum, he had McCollum number one on his board. Not, you know, who well, it was who they wanted, but they had McCollum number one on their board. They had Cody Zeller number two, which, which tells you everything you need to know. Um, Boy, that would have aged like sour milk. It's great because you can still find the video out there. They had the video in the room where they released it, and they didn't scrub the video. And the draft board got out. This is before social media was a like a big, big thing. I feel like I vaguely remember the draft board and people like zoomed in and they're mm -hmm. like, holy shit, is this right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was great because he couldn't back out of it. That's that's the best part about that. So uh, it's 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 an interesting place to kind of land. But when you're talking about the draft boards, the Blazers are going to have their own draft board. Yep. And who is where is I, I would kill to be a fly on that wall to see what that draft board looks like. Just kind of of, of a general understanding of like, huh, that's that's a weird place to land with that guy. But OK, like just where because the Blazers and listen, I, I, I've said a million times about Neil. Um, he drafted really well around the edges. He did even with CJ. He drafted well with CJ. He just was ass everywhere else. Just, well, he, he wasn't wrong on the evaluation of CJ in terms of skill, ability. I don't know about number one, but he, I mean, also that was, I don't know, man. Like that wasn't, you drafted another point guard. Like, what are we doing? But if you're you talking know? about in that draft, he he's probably the second best player behind Giannis. Giannis. Yeah. In that like, draft. For like sure. They, they did. Well, that, that draft was so bad. So, wasn't so, a good so draft. Bad. Where do you mean uh, your boy, Jeremy Wu? I looked at his mock. He's mm -hmm. got Ben Matherin. So, you know, Shaden Sharp, Ben Matherin, we're talking about six, 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 seven guys. Uh, Matherin and Sharp both did themselves a ton of favors uh, at the Combine. Sharp with his measurements, uh, Matherin with, with his interviews and his measurements. Like, he, Matherin came in at 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'6". Six, six. I forgot what his, his wingspan he's was. He's a plus three, so he's 6'9". Yeah, so Which, Sharp was 6'5 in shoes with a 6'11", I want to say, wingspan. I think he was 7'. He was... I think six eleven or seven feet. It was one yeah, of those. I think he was. I think he was plus seven, which is bonkers. That is for a massive guard. armlet. Yeah, so that's, that's massive. You don't get that from six foot four guys almost ever. Um, and his athleticism is off the charts. Uh, right, Matherin. Everyone was like, "Is he six four? Or is he six six? Like, which way?" He came in at six six, and I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting." Well, I find it interesting how many Portland fans I've seen on Twitter with you know when we talk about some of the measurements of some of these dudes. Out on six five six six players, that's not our need. We need fours. I think a lot of people are in on getting the six ten player. I think. Well, yeah. The six nine, the Keegan Murray, the Palo, the. Jabari, I mean, it makes sense you know, like, because they haven't replaced Lamarcus since he left. Right. Right. Um, those guys are hard to find. I mean, the wings are hard to find. And speaking of wings, let's get into the, some of the trade stuff. For those that didn't catch it, Zach Lowe uh, had a long, 
long podcast the other day. Uh, shout out Nikias on the first part, and then he had Kirk Goldsberry on the back end. And they were talking about um, NBA playoffs, and then they got to the combines, or the combine talk. And when they started talking about the Blazers, we'll talk about Jeremy Grant first. This is what uh, it's it, – I find this very, very interesting. Zach Lowe okay. said – Oh, that's a nice asset to trade for Jeremy Grant, who's like, good, not that good, but good, and we're going to have to pay Jeremy Grant a lot of money upon trading for him, because they made some point. Can we get him for other assets? That is Zach Lowe telling you they're not trading number seven for Jeremy Grant. No, no, that's that's an impossibility. Uh, Andrew says, can we agree that number seven should not be traded for Jeremy Grant? So, yes. If, um, if, I, if, if it was number seven or Jeremy Grant, I'm taking the number seven. 100%. 100%. Oh, they are they are not I I am willing to take any and all bets for anybody who thinks that the Blazers are going to trade number 7 for Jeremy Grant. Does this, does anybody think that? Is that still a thing people yes. think? Yes. Yes. Really? I, I had like five or six guys in the YouTube comments the other day that were adamant about it. Adamant. No way. I, I was like, "Listen, man, give me your Venmo." Give yeah. me give me your Venmo. I'd be an awful, awful I I am I am very 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 Strong in, in in my convictions here that the Blazers are not going to trade number seven for Jeremy Grant. Um, I do believe that they can get him for other assets, and basically you're you're, you're looking at it. Uh, Jeremy Grant is an expiring contract. I just I don't think the Pistons are in any kind of position to command anything more than that. I will say that I have heard that they asked for a package that included a lottery pick, a young player, and a veteran player. Say that one more time. They're looking for assets that includes. No, he. This this was an ask that went to an NBA team that I've had confirmed. Okay. They asked for a young player, a good yeah. young player. Okay. Yeah. So I'll I'll call him a top fifty young player. Okay. A lottery pick, and a veteran player, like a veteran rotation player. Mm. They were laughed out of the room. I was gonna say, what effing team is stepping up in that <laughs> moment? Like, yeah, Jeremy Grant, the guy we got to pay one hundred twenty million dollars to. We're in. Yeah, We're it's or 112, whatever it is. Yeah, it's it's it was it was very interesting when I heard that from multiple people. I was like, "Jeez, oh, oh, okay." And I think that what Detroit is doing is that they know that Clutch is capable of steering Jeremy Grant somewhere, and this is to a location that would be, I think, Clutch friendly. So they're trying to ext- extract more value than what they know the baseline value of what Portland could, would, should offer. Right. So, I, I find that interesting. Um, the other part about this is um, Zach Lowe did very much mention uh, DeAndre Ayton. Yes, he did. And that goes along with um, very much targeting um, what I've heard. The throwaway line, so to speak, is I think they'll be among the teams that have at, that at least have a conversation internally about Ayton if Ayton becomes available. So this time of year, Brandon, what do you have to do with with statements like this? Kind of parse through it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's take the back end of this. If Aiton becomes available, is he not available? Uh, he played 17 minutes in a closeout game and basically got the blame for them no showing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so is he available? Yes. Yes, he is available. What is the cost? And this is where we haven't really talked a ton about this yet. Um, 
this is the sticking point. This is the part where people have to evaluate things. And I can tell you, I don't even need to know exactly what you think. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all so in. from a value perspective and how this goes down, it would be a sign and trade. The Blazers will not, cannot. I mean, they can technically, but they, they, they can't <laughs> outright right. sign DeAndre Ayton because of how much it would cost. It would cost them stripping down basically all the rights they have to basically everybody to get mm-hmm. to the thirty and a half million dollars. Um Jake Six says Nurk and seven for eight and a bit much. Not even close. Nurk Nurk seven and probably one of Harder Nas. You're you're gonna need, yeah, you're gonna have to go a little more with talent. Because Aiton's that dude. And I I've, would imagine it'd be Hart too, by the way. Manageable contract. You can play him into the rotation. He's an experienced playoff guy. Like Because Phoenix wants to be cheap and not get hamstrung because they don't want to pay Aiden and they don't want to pay Cam Johnson and they want to make some changes. I would lean towards Hart being that guy too. Um, for all of the people who say, but you can get X out of Nurk compared to Aiden. The only thing that Yusuf Nurkic does better than DeAndre Aiden right now is playmaking. And in that vein, as good of a creator or passer is, Nurk is sloppy with the ball, turns it over a truckload, mm-hmm. and screen. And Aiton's a good screener. Nurk really over the last couple of years has become probably one of the three or four best screeners in the NBA. It's probably him and Gobert and Embiid, Jokic. Like, that's probably the group. But Aiton's big enough to be that guy. Yeah, you could get him into that role. Dame could help work with him a little bit. Say, hey, this is what I like. Here's, like, here's I my angles, buddy. Yes, yes. Ant could do the same thing. So, um, and then it's like, well, you're going to pay him $30 million. Do you know how much you have to pay for guys who are the best finishers in the NBA? I don't give a shit. <laughs> exactly. Here's the other part of this. Why are, why are we why do we choose when we, we choose? Why do we choose when we choose to care about the salary cap stuff? I just... It's it's mind blowing. You, you do me. it does matter and it does get very pricey. I get that part of it because you're not winning in Portland without spending some of your money. No, and, you're and not spending it and and hopefully taking a chance and spending it and heavy in one spot. I'm sorry. And on top of that, the thing about Aiton is he. How many players are out there that you could go after that you could target right now that match both win now. This is a guy who was the anchor for an NBA Finals team and going into the future and basically being Anthony Simons' running mate. Like, if, if you if I told you you had Anthony Simons and DeAndre Ayton under contract for the next four years at $50 million, are, like, are, are, you, are you mad about that? No, I don't know why anybody would be mad about that at all. Like, why would you not want a 23-year-old center who has that kind of experience... Who has anchored a defense, has shown he can do literally everything. He's uh, the best mid-range shooting big in the league. Like, if you go look at his numbers, he shot 55%. I just, I guess I don't, I don't understand. Please, if, if there's anybody right now in the in the comment section, you tell me why DeAndre Ayton would not be a player Portland would, would strive for, should strive to go get. Like, there's not an argument. He's the best sense. possible player that they could land. Uh, if, if you walk out into next season, and, you know, let's – I don't know about the Jeremy Grant thing, but, like, you brought back DeAndre Ayton with the roster and you fill it in with the rest of whatever you have? Let, let's let's put it out there. Let's say it's it's Dame, Ant, MLE, small forward, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton. You hit a, you hit a, a three-run home run. Yep. 
maybe a grand slam, depending on what Aiton can give you and what, how Ant plays alongside a, a fully healthy day. Like that's, that's as good as it gets. This is why I don't buy that we're going to get nice things. <laughs> I, this I is don't. Why, I, again. This, this is why I'm like, hey, AJ Griffin, what do we think? AJ <laughs> Griffin, I can see it. Again, like I have – I have allowed myself to be more optimistic about this offseason than in any offseason over the probably the last 10 years. It's because it's new. It's, it's, not, new it's not even because it's new. It's because what they're allowing themselves to consider. Be kinky. Like, go hard in the paint. Yeah. Now, am I, am I going to get crushed to oblivion when nothing happens? Yes. And then I will grab my pitchfork out of the shed. But... They have said from the jump that they are going big game hunting. And Zach Lowe is alluding to this loosely because they're not going to talk about it in a sense of like, no, they're actively going after DeAndre Ayton. But everybody I have heard has said that they are going after DeAndre Ayton. I'm glad this is what I'm really glad you did. I'm really glad you prefaced the the Lowe stuff. Zach is, I, I still in my two cents, the best there is in basketball. He's the only person in the NBA who who acts who acts without having to pay favors. And that's what I was going to say is he always straddles right on the line of I have this information yeah. or I've been told that this is probably going to happen. He never crosses the line. He gets right up to the line and he goes, "Let me throw something at you. Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul. What would you think?" You know what I mean? And you're yeah. like, "Oh, Oh shit! I didn't even think about that. He doesn't he's, operate in transactions. It's that he no. doesn't trade in that currency. No, but he flirts with the transactions, and so it, I, I try to do a very poor job of doing the same thing. You're <laughs> shit. You are shit compared to Zach Lowe. Exactly. That, that being said, I'm glad that I'm glad that you set it up, though. In all seriousness, when he talks, you almost have to kind of read between the lines a little bit of like, hey, I'm hearing DeAndre Ayton stuff is real. You know, you have to find that way. The same thing with the Jeremy Grant. Uh, yes. What was the exact line in there? Um, uh, who's who's given that up? Uh, but uh, who's like good, but not that good, but good. Yeah. Traditional Zach Lowe sense. Not and worth we're going to have to pay Jeremy Grant a lot of money upon yeah. trading for him, extending him to some point. Can we get him other assets? Yeah. And again, that's that's again that's that preface of like read between the lines, particularly this time of year. Who stands to gain from the information? That's out there. And Zach is not a who stands the game guy. He is a here's what I know. And then he presents it in a form like kind of kind of puts it in the food processor. Like you, you're, you're kind of thinking you kind of understand what, what went into there. But, you know, you don't know the exact ingredients that went in beforehand. I don't know. So uh, there's been a couple of things that have come out, and I know you can speak to one of these more. I think the other one was a, a favor or just random noise that came from no real substantial evidence. The Miles Bridges Portland thing that came out, I think, on Friday. I was going to get to that one. Uh, I, I know mean, exactly like, where it came from. I, I can't. Uh, and, and that's fine. That's fine. But, like, can anybody walk me through why Charlotte would think it would be a good idea to just let him walk at the it, it won't be a walk. It would be a sign of trade. I know it'd be a sign and trade because he's restricted, but like it does not make sense in my brain why Charlotte would do that. But the Hornets are the Hornets, and OG, who I think you and I we got tagged in a tweet not too long ago from a like SB, the equivalent of an SB Nation Twitter Raptor person, 
And it was like a five tweet response of how stupid we are for thinking the Raptors are going to trade OG on a newbie. Uh And so this is why, again, you are choosing to live in optimism. I'm choosing to live with below expectations that my father or my mother are awful at Christmas gifts. And really, that chocolate-flavored orange that's in aluminum foil is actually oh, a good gift. Oh, that, you know what I mean? Listen, number one, that's the best gift. Uh, cracking that orange on the table is just a, it's a I wonderful hate that. feeling. I hate that candy. You're kidding me. If I could burn that candy into oblivion, I absolutely would. How people wow. usually feel about candy corn is how I feel about that. Wow. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. I didn't know you were soulless. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I may or may not have had that as my only gift for two straight years. Maybe that's why I hate it. I don't know. Okay, that's fair. No. But do you see my point, though? Like, it, I know it's what I'm getting you for a, Christmas. It's a fuck off. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to take a lot to get those guys. And realistic <laughs> or not, I'm not going to tell you yay or nay. But I'm going to hope that those can happen. And meanwhile, I will be fully diving into the draft part of this and just waiting for Portland to pick a player and me going, I hope the 18-year-old kid from Duke is good in three years. It's good in two to three years. Okay, let's get to the Miles Bridges stuff. Let's do it. I know of people in the organization that like Miles Bridges, 100%. I I like Miles Bridges. I, I, I do too. I think he's one of the most fun, exciting players in the entire NBA. He would solve a lot of things for the Blazers. He's a tremendous amount of rim pressure. He's a six seven wing who can play the three and the four. Yep. Gets downhill, plays with all kinds of power. The Blazers have not had a power athlete in years. Like a legit power athlete, you're probably like Bonzi. Like a legit downhill big body who wants to attack the rim endlessly. I was going to say T-Rob, but he didn't play ever enough. No, and he, and he, an and he was more player. of a big than a wing. Like, Bonzi's yeah. probably the last guy they had who was like, I'm going to kill you at the rim every time. Like, that's – and then before that, obviously, Duck, Buck, Jerome, Cliff. Like, those guys. Dennis Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Put him in the same, you know, category. Yeah. The, the Bridges stuff has legs, not necessarily just for Portland, but just in general. Because you know what – do you know what – I can't say it with a straight face. Do you what? know what the Hornets offered him to start the season? Oh, for his extension? Uh-huh. No. no. Take, a, take a guess. Um, it's a four-year deal. I'll give you that. Okay, so four years, 80? <laughs> Not even that high. No. Four years, 65. Mm-mm. Four years, 58? Close. 460. Uh, Boy, Miles is, Bridges in his a camp. Bit in the face. Clutch. Yep, clutch. He's a clutch guy. Declined politely. That Take is a bit in the face. And then he averaged 20 and 10. Now, it didn't help that he shot 32% from three, but he still averaged 20 and 10. Well, no, no. It wasn't 20 and 10. It was 25 and 5, basically. He had four assists, five, five rebounds. But Okay, um, I thought I thought it was twenty or no, maybe it was twenty and seven. I think yeah, his no, final he, yeah, numbers he, are twenty and seven. But he but he had uh like almost four assists a game too with yeah. uh, uh, with a free throw uh rate and a effective field goal percentage that were you know way up there. I think he was top twenty. Twenty twenty seven and four. Yeah. Twenty seven and four, that's what it was. Which is a monster line. Monster now, line, yes. And he does it basically his shot chart is just a giant ball like sun. In the yep. paint. Right in the paint. And then, like, a little bit above the break. Like, it's just, 
you know where he's going to get to, where he wants to get to, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. It works. Which, it yeah, works. It's, it's great. But here's the thing. He wants the max, much like DeAndre Ayton. I like him. But I don't believe that he's the guy that Portland needs as much as I like him because on the other side of the ball, he's not great. He's passable. And I know I'm being a little bit picky in that, but I think if you're going to spend that kind of money on a wing, they've got to be better on that side of the ball. As much as I love that level of offense and his additional playmaking, like that's hard to get. You need to have somebody be a more of a wing stopper. Sure. And I don't know if having his big offensive role and being the stopper is something that's on his plate. Now, what's, what's interesting is his usage rate is almost exactly the same as Norm Powell's was, mm-hmm. like 22%. But he was more efficient and a better creator while being a lesser three-point shooter. If you could get him somehow without you know, giving up everything, sure. Sure. I, I, I can go with that. But I, like, I, I, think, I think you're in a position where if you can get the 6'7", 230 hyper-athletic guy who is, what, 24 years old, I think you make that deal all day because here's the other part of this. If it's not a great fit right away, it's still an easily movable contract. Yeah. That's, that's the, there's value in that to me. There's value in signing a guy, and if you go, well, this wasn't what we hoped, in two years you go, oh, he's got two years left. Like That's value for other teams. Yeah, and he's uh, still a kid, and he's, he's yeah. already shown that he can be a guy. Yep. Like he can be a dude. Like which again, twenty point scorers who can create for others, they don't grow on trees, especially at six foot seven who can rebound. Like right. that's that's a good thing to to go after. But um just kind of putting a bow on like that whole idea, it's been really fun and really interesting. The Blazers are just in rumors. So I think this is um and it's get fascinating. Used to it. Well, I think I think Joe saw the way Neil operated and said, Why are we playing the whisper we don't talk about this publicly game? Yeah. Let's play the agency slash, hey, throw this out there. We're interested. Like, why not play that game? I don't think you lose value in that. No. And it's just, you know, be in the conversation. I know they're never in the conversation. You're always like, oh, I think Portland could be interested. But it never really comes from, like, any substantial report. No. And then they're never in the mix for it. And then they're like, oh, we can sign Cody Zeller. Cool. Yeah. And, again, being in the mix for somebody is, like, uh, it's it's not a a bad – having your name out there, just, like – building relationships with, with agencies and, and just being in the public eye a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's good press. Like as it is. dumb as that sounds like it's good press. Like eh. I also think Joe's playing with the fans a little bit. And I don't mean that as if like, he's trying to break you down and hurt your feelings. I think Joe's making it abundantly clear guys. We're trying with this. Like we're not playing around yeah. here. We want to win. What if I told you that? How do I phrase this? The Utah Jazz have made a decision on which way they're going to go. I'd imagine it involves trading Rudy and keeping Donovan. Yes. Yeah. I have heard more than a few people say that that's a for sure thing. That Gobert is officially on the block. Mm-hmm. That they could really shake some things up. And there's a couple different teams that would be interested. Toronto being one of them. Mm-hmm. Does that mean Ananobi goes? Does that mean Van Vliet goes? Does that mean Siakam goes? Like, what does that look like? Because their contract situation is in a weird spot. Uh, Golden State, could they be a team that 
gets involved? Does Phoenix get involved and swap Rudy for Aiton? Or Dallas get involved? Like It's almost all Western Conference teams, which is kind of crazy. Um, but we've kind of talked about this a little bit in that there's no real big free agents. Like Nurk's one of the biggest free agents on the, in this class. Kind of frame things for everybody. And it's not to take a shot at Nurk. He's just not a big free agent. Um, but I I believe that come draft night and then come free agency, you are going to see more trades than we've seen in like five, six years. Like it's going to be nuts. Because that, that is how player movement is going to be accomplished this offseason. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see big names that you didn't see coming. Like, People are like, oh, yeah, no, Aiden, no, Gobert. You're, like, you're talking about all-star caliber centers. You know, I again, I, we've got the background up here is watching on YouTube of, of Aiden and Ananobi. I, I believe Toronto will move somebody, and it will be one of Ananobi or Pascal Siakam. Hmm. Like, I, I, I generally believe there will be big shakeups in the NBA. Guys that publicly nobody thinks are going to be moved. Privately, you're going to see a ton of mo- or uh, talked about behind the scenes, and privately, you're going to all of a sudden pop up, and you're going to see a deal being done. You're going, that guy was available, right? And it's just going to be like a just wildly crazy, and it's really, really fun to see the Blazers in this position where they're involved, they have opportunities, and they have the ability to dig themselves out of this hole that they kind of put themselves in. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think if you could find a way, my only two cents on that stuff is like, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think we're going to have that movement. I'm not surprised you tell us. You just don't believe Donovan. Portland is going to be involved in any of it. Well, no, 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 no. Don't you do that. Don't you effing do that. I'm in the belief that they're not going to end up with the nice thing. I don't think you're, you're the clear team that's going to be doing business in a three-way trade for Rudy. My question no. would be, how can you be involved with that trade and yes. get some piece or pieces back in return as the team participating? That may involve taking a bad contract. That may be involved taking a player that we're not particularly thrilled on. I, you know, I've gone back and forth for two years now, and I think I've reached the conclusion, I'm not as hyped on Pascal Siakam for this team yeah. as I once was. But again, I, I think some of this is what can you do to elevate next year? This is a two to three year rebuild. So not everything's going to be solved in this offseason. It's just it what's been really fun is uh, what kind of wrap wrap up on this is the. Uh, the shitty soccer that is the Los Angeles Lakers right now. Um, oh, yeah. Did you yep. read Strauss's piece? I didn't read Strauss's piece. No, uh, I'll have but to send you that one because you're, you're okay. going to want to talk about that one on the show in the morning. It's it's vicious. Uh, really oh god yeah it's great is it about uh, phil choosing russell over lebron th- dating back to the posse stuff yeah that's i mean the the rambi and how they run that organization basically and how it's a mom and pop that has like no real idea of how to conduct business on the personnel side and how uh palenko is a complete phony and has lied to so many people and well they're fake rich like yeah. they, they, they portray that we're lakers it's yeah. like but yeah they, you don't they pay can't pay their bills tax. yeah exactly you're applying for ppe loans in the middle of a global pandemic you're like goddamn lakers we got it's a money here. printing machine they have literally a billion dollar tv deal and they can't go in the luxury tax because they don't have any cash on hand because they don't have any actual cash we got mom and pop shops been open for 25 years like hey can we get some help government they're like no we're giving our money to the lakers it's yeah. like what are we doing here but, um, like, what happens there? 
Does yeah. Does Anthony Davis get traded? Does Russell Westbrook get traded? Does LeBron, does LeBron and just like yeah. you know what? Screw this. I'm out. I got my mm-hmm. title. I live in L.A. I'll move back here when I'm done. Yep. And like like what? Like I'm, and again, I'm not saying this is going to happen. Like, no, I, I know I, this is all conjecture and yeah. hearsay. We're but just like, reading tea leaves. We're we're looking at like. The fact that I could throw that out there, and that's not the dumbest thing I could possibly say, just kind of shows you how far removed we are from the end of the NBA season already. For sure. And it's just like, what is going to happen next? What is going to happen basically come draft night, which yeah. again is a month away, and then what is going to happen in free agency and the lottery and what, what the Blazers are going to do? I, I just think it's going to be really interesting. Over the next couple weeks, we will have um, workouts here in Portland. So draft prospects will be popping up. It's going to be really interesting to see what targets pop up uh, locally for or, or what what players are accepting workouts. Um, infamously, before Donovan Mitchell had a workout so good in Utah that they basically were like, "If this gets out, we're going to kill you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of situation. Um, I don't think you could ever lose uh, being a draft pick with or a draft slot by a bad workout, but I definitely think you can gain some draft slots with a great workout. Absolutely. You show a team one day that you're hot, that you can do this, you can do that. Like, yeah, it's going to it's going to elevate to a spot where you, what, you see An- some crazy movement. Andrew Nemhard at the combine got himself probably a, a first round back into the first round draft grade because I was going to say he, he was he was one of the guys that left Zaga. And you're like, what what are you doing there? Exactly. Yeah. You could play again. If you get in the first round, then it worked. I, I it's, it's crazy. It's you, you can be like, I think at 28 and 11. Uh, at one of the combine games, where he was clearly the best player on the floor among, among some guys who there were some first round draft grade guys there. So, yeah, uh, how those in house workouts go from here on out, uh, it'll be sh- it'll be it'll be fun. But uh, again, thank you guys. We appreciate you. We loved. You. We're gonna get out of here on that because the game's getting obviously rolling underway here. We're about, what halftime now. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have live shows with uh, a couple draft folks. I'm trying to schedule uh, in. I won't say any names until I get them locked in. But we will hope to have some on Thursday. Uh, and we will also bring back the mailbag. Uh, just take a little bit break for the mailbag because just the rumor mill is going to kind of churn that for us. Uh, and then we'll probably bring that back. Maybe next week we'll, we'll do mm-hmm. that. Um, but then we will also have some uh, some live watch parties here coming up uh, as we get into the NBA Finals. So we'll bring those back for the Finals games. Uh, and then maybe we'll sit down and we'll do some tape uh, for all the members out there. We'll sit and take a look at some prospects. And we'll actually take a look at some some potential trade targets. Uh, I'll pull up some clips and, and kind of show you the things that I look for uh, when I build out content for these guys and um, who who kind of has what and what to kind of watch for. So uh, I got some interesting things coming up, and then uh, we'll kind of go from there. But, again, thank you guys. We appreciate you. We love you. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. If you're watching live or you're watching the replay, please click subscribe. It's free. It's easy. Um, and it's little, just a little, little drag and mouse click or on your phone click. And it's easy. Uh, if you want to click on the bell, cool. If you don't, yeah, I, I get it. You just Some people hate those notifications. Some people love them. Uh, you can find us on social media at Danny Morang, at Brandon Sprig, at Jack Ramsey's. You can email the show, jackramsey's at gmail.com. You've listened here uh, all the way through. You've watched all the way through. Share us with your friends. Share us with your families. Again, help us grow the show. We appreciate all the support. Now that we're back. We're just kind of ramping up and uh, the support has been tremendous. It's always cool to kind of take a little break and then come back and like, oh yeah, you guys still care. So, <laughs> thank you all so much. Really to it. I'm Danny. Take care, guys. Enjoy the rest of the game. We'll catch you on Thursday.